Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. I look forward to bringing you great content, great news content. We've had a lot of interesting developments that has happened globally, but probably more importantly right now, nationally. Today, uh, we're going to start it off right. Uh, We're going to just jump right into the first segment of an impeached president in the House. Stay tuned for more content. Jonathan Allen goes on to state uh, that President Trump uh, didn't get away with it, at least not without paying a price. In the lowest moment of his presidency so far, the House has impeached Trump on charges that he solicited foreign help in the re-election campaign using taxpayers' dollars as leverage at the expense of national security interests and then covered it up or covered it all up. Uh, quite simply, a geopolitical shakedown, Representative Medea uh, Velasquez, Democrat for New York, has stated in the particulars of the two articles of impeachment, falling under the headings of abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, are unquestionably more serious than those levied against President Andrew Johnson, who was impeached along party lines in three days, and Bill Clinton. The articles alluded to a broader pattern of behavior that has pervaded Trump's term in office. The rejection of political norms deserved by the branches of government, the solicitation of foreign intervention for his personal benefit, and a systematic rejection of oversight of his administration, the manner of doing business that earned him little democratic sympathy for his protestations of innocence, or protestations. Uh, while Trump and his Republican loyalists in the House insist that he is a blameless victim who will be exonerated by the Senate in the winter and voters next fall, there will now be a big back or a big black asterisk blazoned next to his name on the ledger of American history. He will face those voters as one of the only three presidents to suffer his fate in 230 years, even though more than a dozen of them have worked uh, with the House majority of the other party. A sign that party division alone has not been sufficient to trigger impeachment. All right, so, great. Finally, uh, some sense of justice has been done. Uh, The articles of impeachment uh, were not only valid, they were needed. uh, And to go through the House uh, was to be expected. I expected him to be impeached in the House. The real question is no president in the United States history of the three that had, well, him being the third, of the two former that have been impeached, no one has ever been impeached in the Senate. And ultimately, the Senate uh, decides the fate of the presidency. Uh, And with a uh, Senate that is led by uh, Mitch McConnell, (laughs) I just, I don't know. You know, there's always a turn of events. He could pull a Nixon and then resign just out of nowhere. Or... Uh, you can see it through and go through the process uh, of trial and 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 see kind of where his political uh, fate is. Uh, but as much as you want an impeachment, I think the question is, what does it all mean? Uh, let's say he gets impeached, uh, which I'm personally pulling for. Let's say he gets impeached. Then is Pence the next, you know, I mean, obviously by, you know, constitutional law, he'd be the next one up. And then didn't he, you know, uh, cooperate or at least knew of the the uh, ambiguity in Trump's dealings and, and, and soliciting foreign affairs? You know, so do you start the process all over again? You know, so 
it's how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? And in this case, you really need to go all the way. It's just the warning of, or the repercussions of doing that. I think what both uh, sides or all sides of whatever political ideology that one might have has to take the stance that you want what's best for the country and you want a peaceful resolve. And I do mean a peaceful resolve. You want to make sure that the Constitution is being uh, upheld and that uh, the process is being implemented, due process is occurring, and that there is a safe passage of parsonage, of political respect and extension of, of what I will call executed grace. So even when this judgment is declared, you still want things to fall in line orderly. Uh, and that's my hope. You know, the order or the orderly follow through of uh, what is to come. Uh, so congrats to the House for doing what they should have done uh, for really administering justice and following up on this. And right now, it's in the Senate's hands. The rapper Scarface of the Ghetto Boys is in a runoff uh, for the Houston City Council seat. A rapper whose real name or uh, government name is Brad Jordan co-wrote the early 1990s hip-hop anthem Mind Playing Tricks on Me. Uh, as a member of Houston's pioneering rap group, the Ghetto Boys, Brad Jordan uh, wrote this hit song. Now the 49-year-old rapper, better known as Scarface, is working to ensure Houston voters that there is no or that no, their minds are not playing tricks on them. He is actually running for city council, and he's a serious candidate. Jordan says that he knows a celebrity carried him into a runoff election slated for Saturday, uh, but he's hoping that he can persuade the voters who got him there to turn out again so he can represent the council's District D. You can sit back and point out the problems, or you can address them and bring solutions to the table, Jordan said. I'm happy for him. I think... People evolve. I think we're, you know, a, a collection of activity, thought, and talent. Uh, you're not just one thing. Uh, obviously, you know, him being a rapper, I think it's quite easy to just stay in that mode. Uh, but, you know, we're blessed with many diverse gifts. And it's not fair for anyone to say you can only be one thing, right? I think uh, this evolution... Uh, is something to be admired, something to be uh, upheld, and I, I want to see good things come from it. Uh, him politically speaking, you know, if he were to obtain this and really dedicate himself to toward proving the condition, uh, the conditions that are in District D of Houston, uh, Texas, I think would be admirable, and it would it would really highlight that, you know, just because you didn't matriculate through the traditional norms to enter into political candidacy doesn't mean that you cannot be effective and not just be effective, but actually transformative. Um, with more than 200,000 residents, District D, uh, D stretches into the south and southeast sides of Houston. 2017 data compiled by the current city council member, Dwight Boykin, says African-Americans make up 53% of the district. 30% of the population is earned less than 25,000 a year. Although that figure has risen over the past two decades, it's still a plurality. While campaigning, voters ask him what his plans are to do if he were to be elected, but many can't help themselves to ask or to take a smartphone photo with him. So, hopefully his celebrity 
is enough. And what I mean by that, I don't mean enough to get him elected. I mean enough to bring some sense of of validation and validity. Uh, You don't just want to be the most popular and really be the worst one for the job. And this is where kind of politics, you know, kind of becomes a little gray because if you are the most popular candidate but not the best one for the job, should you be elected? And if, you know, elections are deemed by an electoral process, whether it is a true democracy and popular vote or a system that ensures some type of representation, are we really voting for the best strategic fit or the one we like the most? So uh, I think that is the question on the table and it will be answered by Saturday. Unfortunate news uh, coming out of the uh, city of New York. Uh, falling debris has killed a woman on the sidewalk. Um, article by David Lee and Tim Stelow states that falling debris from New York City's building struck and killed a 60-year-old woman in a freak accident. Uh, the woman was identified as Erica Tishman. She was found in front of the 152 West 49th Street in Midtown Manhattan when police received the 911 call about 10.47 in the morning. Tishman has been fatally struck. Uh, she was an owner of an LLC. Uh, upon arrival, responding officers discovered an unconscious and unresponsive 60-year-old female on the sidewalk with trauma to the head. According to the NYPD statement, EMS also responded to the scene and pronounced her deceased. Tishman was the vice president of Zabacton, which is a real estate project management firm. Uh, the company confirmed Tishman also served on the board of Educational Alliance, a nonprofit that operates community centers in Manhattan for more than a decade. In a statement, the organization said it had flourished under her leadership and called her an invaluable force and irreplaceable ally who always brought her full self. Um, thoughts and prayers definitely goes out to our family. Uh, goes to show that we really have to cherish every moment and be there for each other and that cities need to make sure their buildings are up to code and, you know, there aren't any potentially dangerous particles or objects that are just hanging off uh, because mm-hmm. this can happen to anybody, right? Um, so there has to be just a, re- I think, just a deeper responsibility on the city's uh, behalf uh, to make sure that, you know, and, and that goes for ownership that basically um, it's safe <laughs> to go outside. Uh, so definitely uh, keep your thoughts and prayers uh, for the Tishman family. Boeing's max suspension could have impact on jobs, trade deficit, and the GDP. As the country's largest exporter, Boeing has decided to shut down its max jet production, which could ding America's GDP and make it all but impossible to reduce the trade deficit anytime soon. Economists have warned Martha White, goes on to say the analysts say that Boeing's decisions to suspend production of its troubled 737 MAX jet will have far-ranging economic ripple effects. The airplane manufacturer has stated that it will temporarily halt production of the MAX 
which has been grounded by worldwide aviation regulators since March after two crashes within five months have killed 346 people. A JP Morgan analyst estimated that even idled, the MAX program will still cost Boeing a billion dollars a month and could deal a blow to the broader U.S. economy. Mark Zandi, chief economist at Moody's Analytics, said that the shutdown could shave one to two-tenths of a percentage point from the first quarter GDP growth in 2020. It probably will show up in GDP in Q1, he has stated. It will impact the monthly data. It will show up in the industrial production. Zandi has also said that Boeing's travails will be reflected in the trade flow data. Boeing is the largest exporter in the country. This means there will be fewer exports so that the trade deficit will be a bigger will be bigger as a result, uh, making uh, President Donald Trump's goal of narrowing the trade deficit even more elusive. This makes it all but impossible to reduce the trade deficit at any time. So, obviously, there's been a halt of production due to this unsafe conditions. Uh, you've had multiple crashes, two crashes within the last five months, uh, fatalities that have followed, and it's just not worth the risk. Now, because of the investment and because of the need to put this out, uh, this 737 MAX jet, uh, it has cost Boeing, like I said, a billion dollars. It is projected a month. It has cost Boeing money. And with that cost, the first thing that usually occurs is it affects not just profitability, not just growth, but jobs. Uh, when there is stagnation of growth, there is reduction of labor. So um, I, I think and there's nothing to blame. There's no one to blame. It's not even an issue necessarily of greed, but I think Boeing is being safe and taking the necessary precautions to ensure that they can be viable for years to come. And even though there is a push to get this Max 737 project up and running, it's not worth the totality of destruction that it could create. Um, so, with that being said, Boeing is just kind of focused on the long-term gain, and I think that's kind of the goal of any organization is long-term growth, and is willing to take a short loss for a long win, right? Um, so, according to this, the same article, uh, Boeing doesn't get paid in full until airlines take delivery of their planes. You essentially paid all the suppliers, paid all the labor, and you still haven't received the value of the aircraft. So basically, because they are an exporter, with this being grounded, they're not making any money, but they would have to do all that, pay everybody, and then, you know, deliver the deliverables, and then they will get their pay. So it's it's costing them not to have this thing operational. So obviously, there is a push to have it operational. So it's not that this has been totally scrapped. It's just that they have to go back to the drawing boards and make sure that it is feasible for everyone. Hey, it has been another great episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. Connect with me. Please click like, you know, share, subscribe. Look forward to covering more content. 2020 is going to be a year of just amazing, many multiple episodes per week, a video. Everything's coming down the pipeline, just getting everything set up for you guys. Uh, but until next time, thanks.